Lang Podcast. We hope this message encourages and inspires you today. All right. Happy Sunday, everyone. Welcome to church. Can we just give the Lord another hand uh, today as you are here? Welcome to church. Uh, for those of you who haven't met me, my name is Pastor Ariel Marquez, and we'd like to welcome you also from, uh, from your own homes. Those of you watching Facebook and YouTube, uh, thank you so much for joining us. And to those of you who are here, how many of you know that it's a different experience to come here in our service uh, every Sunday? And I, I hope to, um, you know, we hope to see some of you who are normally joining us from your home. Of course, we are still doing, uh, you know, distancing or following IATF protocols. But um, yeah, it's just so different, you know, when you see face-to-face, people gathering together because that's the way church ought, is ought to be, okay? Well, I hope that you're all feeling joyful today. Would you kindly put up a big smile on your face and then just turn to the person beside you and just show them your eyes, okay? Because <laughs> they can't see your smile. Okay, uh, we are, we're starting a brand new series uh, for February entitled Joyful or Full of Joy. And, um, you know, February happens to be the, the month of hearts. How many of you feel joyful and excited for February? You know, people are in hot pursuit of happiness. And um, the question is, where do we find it? It is important because, you know, a lot of people, for, for a lot of people, life is about pursuit of joy or pursuit of happiness. But in reality, you know, uh, God wants us to be filled with joy. God has no problem with us, you know, being joyful and putting a smile on our face, having laughter. Uh, everyone wants happiness. But most people, though, seek it from the wrong places. And I hope that, you know, as we start this new series, The Joyful, we're going to be looking at the book of Philippians. Uh, and uh, I hope that we get to see it from the perspective of God, that indeed God wants all of us you know, he doesn't want to take anything from us. He wants to bring, you know, something that's full and satisfying and fulfilling for all of us. You know, some people assume that happiness comes from God's circumstances. So they set out to improve their circumstance. You know, they think that happiness is happening. But how many of you know that joy is not dependent on happenings? Joy is not dependent on happiness. For example, you know, some people who are single, they seek a spouse and they seek a happy marriage. For those who are married, those of you who are here who are married, how many of you are married and you're happy? Please raise your hand. Pagkakataon na to, okay? This is your uh, chance to show your spouse that you're happy. Now, if you're married, but what if you're not happy? Some people try to get an annulment and look for someone else who can make them happier. You know, because they base their happiness on circumstances. They base their happiness on their actual situation. Now, if they're married and they're childless, they seek to have children because they think that children, having children will make them happy. For those of you who are married and those of you who have children, and what if those kids grow up to be rebellious? Now, suddenly you don't know what to do since murder is illegal, right? And unbiblical. You don't know what to do. And so, you know, because you're basing everything from your circumstances, entertainment, TV, Netflix, uh, whatever, gaming, uh, music, vacation, buying stuff, all these relationships, we try to fill up our life so that we can always be happy. Now, the Bible has so much to say about joy. In fact, if you type in the concordance, the word joy from 
Genesis to Revelation. There are about maybe 260 plus references of joy in the Bible. In fact, one of the uh, major uh, books of the Bible where joy is inserted there is in the book of Psalm. You know, this is the attitude that we have when we come to worship the Lord, right? And, uh, you know, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. You know, we are actually to be joyful. And the Bible defines joy in a different way that the world defines joy. My prayer today is that we will understand the difference uh, in the midst of our difficult circumstances. And I know that we're going through a lot. This pandemic, this economic crisis have brought out, uh, you know, so much suffering and pain and a difficult situation, trials, troubles. And how many of you can relate with me that you have experienced some difficulties and hardship during this time? Can you please raise your hand? For those of you who are at home, you know, if you just can see the people here, you know, it's, it's so common. We're going through a lot. But what I'm saying is as a Christian, as a believer, my prayer is that as we go through this, the study of this book of Philippians, that you will see why there's a reason that we can still maintain happiness and joy in our hearts and a smile on our face. So if you have your Bibles, why don't we go ahead and open to the book of Philippians chapter 1. And we'll be reading just a few verses from Philippians chapter 1, uh, verse 18 until verse 21. Okay, So basically, this uh, next four weeks, we're going to be looking at the book of Philippians. And uh, it's really exciting because this is one writing of the Apostle Paul wherein he actually puts so much emphasis on joy and rejoice. Okay, So let's all stand up right now as we give reverence to the Word of God. And let's read from Philippians chapter 1 beginning in verse 18, second part, until verse 21. Yes, and I will rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Verse 22, for I am to live in the flesh, oh, sorry, for, verse 21, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Can we read that again out loud? Verse 21, let's go read it out loud. One, one, two, three. For me, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for today. Even as we study the book of Philippians, I thank you that you will reveal to us as a people that there is so much reason why we can have joy in our hearts. That even in the midst of the most difficult situation and circumstance, Lord, it is because you are with us. And we thank you, Lord God, that you would lift up our countenance today. Fill up your people with hope and faith and joy. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say, Amen. You all be seated. All right, so as I said earlier, the major theme of this book of Philippians is joy. In fact, there are about 16 references of joy and rejoice uh, mentioned in the book of Philippians. And just to give you a background of the story, and the Apostle Paul, of course, how many of you don't know the Apostle Paul? Apostle Paul is the one who had three missionary journeys in Asia Minor during that time in the first century. During the second missionary journey, he actually traveled from Troas to 
Philippi, and he planted that church there. You can actually read that from Acts chapter 16. We don't have the time to turn there. But Acts chapter 16 gives us an idea or a picture of what the early church is all about. In fact, you will see three major characters in the book of Acts chapter 16 uh, describing the early church in Philippi. Okay? This is the book of Philippians, and you call them Filipinos. Okay? Just kidding. Okay? Uh, Phil- Philippians. Okay? And so you, the first character that we would see in Acts chapter 16 was a Philippian. Is, uh, was Lydia. Lydia, the founder of Lichon. Okay, no. Uh, Lydia, who was actually a very wealthy businesswoman in the city of Philippi. And it was, the Bible says that she is a merchant of uh, purple clothing or textile. And you know, when you talk about purple, purple is the color for kings. And so she is a high society woman and she is a worshiper of God, the Bible says. And she actually took in the Apostle Paul and, you know, maybe she had a big house. And so she actually welcomed them and she had the gift of hospitality. The second character that we can see there is the slave girl who had a gift, or not a gift, maybe a a spirit of divination. And she would tell the future. And when the Apostle Paul saw her, what Apostle Paul did was, in the name of Jesus, get out of her. And so, you know, her owners was, were mad at Paul because they were earning money because of that girl's spirit of divination. And so they put Paul and Silas to prison. And this is where we see the third character. How many of you know and remember the Philippian jailer? Okay, the Philippian jailer where you know, there was an earthquake and they were all, were all uh, you know, freed from their shackles and all the prison gates were open and the Philippian jailer wanted to kill himself and the Apostle Paul said, don't kill yourself, we're still here. And he said, you know, what should I do? You know, uh, give your life to the Lord and your whole household will be saved. This is the beginning of the Philippian church. And so we will see that the characters of the Philippian church, you know, there's you know, there's this wealthy woman, there's a slave girl who's poor, and there's a Philippine jailer who's probably a middle-class person. So it's a diverse church. And we can see that there's uh, so much difference, but yet there's uh, generosity in the church. Because the reason why the Apostle Paul was writing this was he was already in prison during that time, and the church wanted to give him a gift through Epaphroditus. Now, Paul had every reason to lament and to be sad and to complain. He had been in prison for a long, long time. He was awaiting his trial. There are people who hate him and who want him out, as in like literally out. And he had very little support from the churches and from the believers. But instead of complaining, the Apostle Paul decided to write the most encouraging and the most joy-filled epistle in the whole New Testament in the book of Philippians. And how can he do that? And Paul encouraged the believers to be bolder in their witness for the gospel. In fact, no matter what motive, Paul rejoices because the gospel is actually going out, transforming lives. And how many of you have benefited from the transforming power of the gospel? And the apostle Paul is saying, now no matter what happens, I am happy and I'm joyful. No matter what motive they have, if they want me here inside, as long as the gospel is preached, I rejoice and I'm happy. A perspective that he had, that it was more than just the power of God for salvation or conversion for those who believe, but it's a day-to-day thing. 
When you talk about the gospel, how many of you know that we're not just saved on the day that we prayed a sinner's prayer and when we had victory weekend and that's it? Are we just awaiting our time to go to heaven? No, what he's saying is, guess what? It's a day-to-day journey in life that there's a reason that we can actually rejoice. Everybody say rejoice. That there is a reason to have joy in our life no matter what circumstance you and I are in. You know, when the scales fell from uh, Saul's eyes in Acts chapter 9, first time he encountered Jesus, and he started seeing all of life through the lens of the gospel. And then he suddenly viewed life differently. He sees suffering as character builders. He sees possession as a tool for the spreading of the gospel. And yet at the same time, I realize that, you know, as we go through life as Christians, there's so many sorrows. You know, just being a pastor of this church just last year, we did a lot of, not a lot, but, you know, several funerals. Just recently, the other day, we were so saddened and uh, had grief because one of our volunteers uh, in kids' church from the Akasha congregation passed away. A very young lady at 31 years old. So much heartbreak, so much grief, so much sorrow. And we're going through life. This is, how many of you know this is a reality? You know, does the Apostle Paul just fake it until he makes it? You know, what is he doing? You know, in fact, we go, Jesus is the one who said this. In this life, you will have troubles. A lot. You'll have tribulation, you'll have trials, you'll have troubles, you'll be persecuted. But yet, take heart. He said, I have overcome the world. I mean, how can these two things go together? A Christian life going through great sorrow and going through suffering and yet be joyful at the same time. How many of you have tried doing that? You know, you're, you feel like, you know, am I getting crazy? You know, I'm going through suffering, I'm going through pain and sorrow. I'm not asking us to dismiss the sorrow and grief. I've gone through a lot of that. You know, we've lost members of our household. I've lost loved ones. And we go through grief. It's normal. But my question is, when we finally find comfort in the Lord, can we still find joy in our hearts and say that this is the day that the Lord has made? I will rejoice and be glad in it. Can we still do that? Is that even possible? You know, I believe that it is because of this one word. Everybody say purpose. It's really understanding purpose. What do you mean, Pastor A? I'm glad that you asked, okay, even if you did not. Purpose. You see, life is lived out in God's purpose. You know, if you live out God's purpose, it is the most satisfying and joyful life, no matter what happens to you. How many of you know that? And I'm not talking about you being in full-time ministry. I'm not talking about you being a pastor or a missionary. I'm talking about you being in the middle of God's will, living your purpose for your life. And the purpose statement of the Apostle Paul, as we have read earlier, is found in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. Twelve words. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Can you say that word with me? I mean, that statement with me. For to me to live is Christ and to die 
is gain. You know, this verse basically summarizes Paul's heart. What his heart is beating for and what his motives are. And as I said earlier, it's not a call for you to be in the ministry. We're not getting new volunteers in church. Don't worry. We're still not in full capacity here. We're not asking you to give some more. I'm asking us to talk about life here on earth. What is our purpose? And, you know, if you're doing your job and you are maybe a lawyer or maybe you are an artist or maybe you're a singer or maybe you are uh, a gym instructor or maybe you are a student or a housewife, what is your purpose? Is that our purpose? Is my purpose here to be a pastor of Victory Alabang? I mean, is that the ultimate purpose for me? You know, if you do not have a clear purpose, then you will be wandering in life and you'll never be satisfied and be happy with anything that you go through. Question for us today is, do you know your purpose? And are you living it? For those of you who are at home, do you know your purpose? Do you know why you attend worship service? Eh, kasi naimbitahan lang ako eh. I mean, is there a reason why we're here? Do you know why you give? Do you know why you serve? Do you know why you sing songs? Do you know why you read the Bible? You know, do you know why you, why you obey? Do you know why you work? Do you know why you work out your marriage? Do you know why you have to raise up godly kids? And so on and so forth. Do you know why you have to live in integrity in this world? I mean, for those students, do you know why you, you have to study and graduate and earn a living? I mean, these are basic questions that we have to answer. And you know, for those who, of us who are believers, I hope that this will help clarify us why we're here and what's our purpose. To those who are non-believers, I hope that you will find Christ and that you will understand what Christianity is all about. For those of us who are going through a lot of hurts, may you find comfort in this word. For those of you who have failed in life, may we find hope that there is a second chance. And there's so much application for this. And how can we find real joy? First thing is, we have to live with the right motive. And the Apostle Paul was very simple in and succinct in declaring this. What's our motive? Paul begins verse 21 with this three words. For to me. Everybody say, for to me. For to me, and then he proceeded in saying, to live is Christ, to die is gain. These three words, for to me, means as far as I am concerned personally. What's my motive? The real question is, what drives you? For the Apostle Paul, when he wakes up in the morning, for to me, you know, he's already clarifying why he is doing what he's doing. In fact, uh, in verse 15, and we haven't read that, in verse 15, uh, there were some situations in, in the church. You know, while he was in prison, and he was writing about it. In fact, in verse 15 to 17, it says, Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. And he was distinguishing two different kinds of preachers of the gospel. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former... Proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. Verse, uh, verse 18. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, 
and in that I rejoice. Wow! And the Apostle Paul still had the confidence to feel joy in his heart. Despite the fact that there are others in Rome who are preaching Christ from false motives, Paul emphatically says, not me. Even if I am living in jail under this difficult situation, I am going to rejoice. I'm going to be happy because at least the gospel is advancing. Now, you got to see the context of where Paul is coming from. Paul is old. Paul was exhausted. I mean, he's tired. He's been doing a lot of missionary journey. He's been in prison for at least four years. It means he's ready to go to heaven. He's saying that I'm being poured out like a drink offering. He's excited to go to heaven. It seems that they've taken everything away from him. They've taken away his friends. They've taken away his church planting ministry. They've taken away his freedom. They've even taken away his privacy. Did you know that? That he cannot even go to the bathroom by himself alone without a Praetorian guard by his side. CR naman tayo. Okay, samahan kita. I mean, for the ladies, you're probably comfortable with you having someone to go to, bathroom, to the bathroom. But for the men, he doesn't even have that privilege or the privacy to enjoy his time alone. They've taken almost every single thing away from Paul except one thing that cannot be taken away from him. And that is Christ. Paul had great joy. He was totally content. And he viewed his potential death as an advantage. Because he had Christ. Different perspective. My question for us today is, do we treasure Christ that way? Do we look at him in the same way that the Apostle Paul sees him? For example, in the ministry, my question is, are we more concerned about what others think for, think for us, or about us? Or are we more concerned about what others think about, think about Christ? Are we just here for our own good? Or are we continuing to advance the, the purpose of God in our life. You know, my question for us is, if things are suddenly taken away from us, will we still find joy in our life? Last year, as I said earlier, 2020 was a difficult year. Seems like we were in prison, like the Apostle Paul, due to lockdown. Seems like things have been taken away from us. Some have lost jobs. Some have lost opportunities. Some have lost Careers, some even lost health. Some have lost possible celebration, like maybe some planned vacation trips or maybe planned a marriage or a wedding or something like that. And all these things were like canceled. Things have been taken away from us. And my question for us is, can we still find joy in the midst of all this? Now, as I said earlier, I don't want to be uh, you know, too insensitive about our situation because I have gone through the same thing. In fact, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, you know, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be what? Comforted. And if we mourn, I believe that the presence of God is there. And there's, you know, there's a time to laugh and a time to mourn. There's a time to be born and a time to die. And there's a time for everything. But yet, it's amazing that even when the Apostle Paul was going through the most difficult situation and circumstance, he's declaring that, in, you know, we're going to look at this in the last chapter, 
Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Always. In the, the most difficult situation. What is our motive? Is our motive to please God or to please men? In marriage, is your motive to always be right? Or is your motive to know Christ through your marriage with your spouse? In parenting, is your goal just to raise up compliant kids and to make sure that they obey everything that you say? Or is your motive for them to know Christ and so that they can obey Him on their, for, their, for themselves? In life, the Apostle Paul could rejoice in the midst of terribly unjust situations and painful trials because he's saying, my motive is not about me. It's really about him. Secondly, we need to establish God's purpose in our life. How can we find true joy? By establishing God's purpose in your life. Again, we go back to that verse, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Why are we alive? Christ. What is real life? Christ. What is the essence of Christian living? Christ. Why am I working, working in this company? Christ. For to me to live is Christ. Why am I a pastor? Christ. Why am I a lawyer? Christ. Why am I a parent? Christ. Why am I single still? Christ. May we put everything before us to the lens of Christ. Paul doesn't say to live is doing for Christ or giving to Christ or speaking about Christ. He just says to live is Christ. In fact, his purpose is a person. It's Christ. What is our purpose? Our purpose is not our job. Our purpose is not to do things. Our purpose is having a relationship with a person. And I believe that if we have that, that can bring so much joy in us, no matter what you're going through, what circumstance you're in, It'll bring so much joy. Yesterday, I was cleaning up my desk in the office. Suddenly found uh, the old homeschooling materials of my two older kids. Of course, you know that I have four kids, Bea, Jerome, and then the second batch is Anna and Andrea. And so when they were younger, they were homeschoolers. And we used to have this material called Life Pack. And so... I didn't realize that it's still in my desk there. And so I was opening it and I saw the life pack material of Jerome, the boy that I lost to TB meningitis 17 years ago. And he's no longer with us. He's, I believe he's in heaven. As I was going through the material, I opened up the life pack and I saw the Bible life pack. And I said, wow, interesting. So I opened the Bible and there's a test there. You know what he got? 100%. It just brought me so much joy. And I looked at the test. And I looked at the question. I said, wow, for a grade 3 student to answer this kinds of test and having a personal relationship with Christ, I am so happy. Yes. I started, you know, not bawling out yesterday, but I started being reminiscing of, you know, my time with Jerome. I felt sorrow and grief because I miss him. But at the same time, I felt joy because I know that he is with our Father. I mean, can we actually find joy in every situation that we have? Now, if you were to take a test, fill in the blank, what would be your answer? For to me, to live is blank. What is your answer? 
And this will reflect the values of our society today. Some people would say, for to me, to live is possessions. Hmm. They live life for accumulation of things or stuff. You know, talagang laman ng Lazada, Shopee, or whatever. Okay, talagang, you know, they're, they're actually very ready to buy, you know, two dot two, or, you know, three, three. Every month, they're ready. It's to buy more, more, more. Jesus gave a warning. Be on your guard. Life does not consist in the abundance of our possessions. Be on your guard. Guard your heart. They think that having more can actually bring happiness. You know, wealth defined in the Bible is simply to have a roof over our head, to have clothes on our back, and to have food on our table. And if you have those three, the Bible is considering you as wealthy. How many of you have those three? Please raise your hand. You're wealthy. Look at the person beside you. Yeyemenin. Yeyemenin yan. The problem is many people don't know when to say enough. They have this, they want more. They have one pair of shoes, they want more. Of course, okay, excuse me. Huh? For those of you who are collecting sneakers, that's fine, okay? But you know, what's, what's our motive? We want more things because we think that if we have more stuff or more gadgets or more tools or more of the things that the world offers, that these things apparently can make us happy. You know, there's a lot of rich millionaires. Rich millionaires. There's a lot of rich people that are not happy. We buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't like. Be careful. Be on your guard. Other people say to live is about popularity. To live is popularity, being popular. If I can just have more followers on TikTok. You know, you know, I saw a couple of ladies in the mall the other month, and they were just doing like that in the hallway. And they don't mind people passing. Because they want followers. I mean, is, is that life? You know, it's just about having followers and likes and hearts. For those of you who are students, I've got good news for you. If you graduate, from your high school, and you're the most popular person in that high school, guess what? If you come back three years from then, they will not even remember you. That's the reality of life. We will be forgotten because if we put our life just based on popularity and based on who we are and based on our position or power or prestige, then we are missing the, we're missing the game. Popularity fades. Other people say to live is pleasure. You know, like, if it feels good, then do it. It's all about being entertained all the time. It's having fun, travel. Nothing wrong with recreation. But if you just put your life just based on pleasure, something wrong there. That is the summary of life. In 2020, travel and tourism was put to a halt. Many people barely traveled. Now, if you live for that, you'll get depressed because you're not able to travel or you didn't have pleasure. And you can add more to the blank. To live is power. To live is position. To live is prestige. You know, you like people to notice you all the time. You like people to, you know, you want to be on top of the hierarchy and so on and so forth. You know, guess what? Jesus came simply to serve. 
and not to be served. He set an example for us. As Christians, we live for one purpose. To live is Christ. To die is gain. Yes, I know that sometimes you get sidetracked. Because for us, we think that to live is Christ plus family. Or to live is Christ plus children. Or to live is Christ plus marriage. Guess what? Christ plus nothing equals everything. We don't need to add on to Christ. You know, John Piper said, God is the most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. What brings us satisfaction? What brings you, you know, to, to that point where you can actually be happy and say, I'm content? Sometimes you get sidetracked with even the good things. Others say, for me to live is my kids, or to live is my spouse, or to live is my ministry. If I base my life on being a pastor of Alabang, someday I will no longer be a pastor of Alabang and I'm still alive. You know, that is not the ultimate goal or purpose in life. To live is Christ. Amen. We need to put our life there where it should be. We need to understand what is the essence of life. Why am I supposed to be happy again? Because to live is Christ. Christ gave everything to us and we are to simply live it through Him. My wife cannot be my Savior. Jesus is. I love my wife. But yet Jesus takes precedence over my wife. My girls are not the center of my universe. Christ is. The ministry is not all in. Christ is. Because Christ plus nothing is equal to everything. We got to have that confidence that if we have Christ, it is the reason for living. It's good enough for me. Faith in Christ means to depend on Him daily. Everybody say daily. Not only during our time of conversion or the altar call, but eternal life really is knowing God. It's, it's a daily thing. It's not about just us. You know, eternal life does not happen when we die. Eternal life, life happens right now. It happens right now. Right here. Right now. To live is Christ means depending on Christ alone. To live in the ordinary, the mundane, the everyday life. And to live God in every aspect of our life. In every aspect. You're not just a Sunday Christian. You're a Christian all throughout. Amen. To live is Christ even when you go to the gym. To live is Christ even when you buy your grocery. To live is Christ even when you're stuck in traffic. To live is Christ no matter what. To live is Christ. In the mundane things. Even if you're watching Netflix, to live is Christ. You're playing video games for the young people. To live is Christ. Some of us are probably having a hard time with this. Huh? To live is what? To live is Christ. What makes us happy? Christ. There's no separation between the common life and the worship life because every part of our life ought to be Christ. We're not just Christians when we come here. We're Christians all throughout. You know, for, for example, if you are a lawyer, first a Christian before you are a lawyer. You're not a lawyer before you are a Christian. As a pastor, I'm first a Christian before I'm a pastor. It just happened that I'm doing this full time. Jesus is Lord of every aspect of our life. To live is Christ. John MacArthur says, the Christian life is not you living for Christ, 
The Christian life is Christ living through you. It's an expression of Him as we live out our daily life. Every single day, you're a housewife to live as Christ. You're baking those cakes or cookies or you're cooking that family meal to live as Christ. Christ is being glorified as you live the ordinary, the mundane, the day-to-day things. And with that, you can be happy. It's not just us trying to show that we are Christians, but to live the life of Christ is best seen by just living out our Christian walk. And others are just seeing that. My last point as I come to an end is this. Embrace the certainty of eternity. For me to live is Christ. To die is gain. Now, when you talk about death, maybe some of you are saying, wait a minute. Kaping mainit? Did I hear you say die? I'm not talking about dying right now. I'm talking about us being ready to die anytime. How many of you know that our life is short here on earth? Life is fleeting. And sometimes you don't think about death, but yet the Apostle Paul is so convinced that to die is gain. To die is even better. Now, Paul is not suicidal when he was saying that. He was just anticipating what's sure to come up ahead. And we don't think about death. We don't think about terminal illness. We don't think about ending our life. We don't think about that point in our life where we will end. But how many of you know that the mortality rate of people around the world is still 100%? 100%. We're all going to die. One night we were sleeping, about to sleep. Uh, my wife and I were just having a convo conversation. And she's asking me, you know, do you think it's time for us to have those marbles? And if you're familiar with the marble story, you know, there's a story of a guy who turned 50 and then he actually estimated if he's going to be living, you know, to 70 years, that, you know, he's going to count every week by removing one marble from a, you know, from the, like, uh, the glass container until he reached 70 and if the marble is up, then his life is bonus from then on. And I said, wow, that's a lot of marbles that we're going to buy together. But we're talking about it. We're talking about the brevity of life. We went an experience, as I said earlier, of death in our families. And maybe you also had an experience of that. It gives us a picture of life. But yet, as a Christian, we view death differently because death is really living a perfect life. To die is gain. In fact, this word gain is actually a banking term. You know, if you're a banker, when you say gains, you know, it's actually, uh, you know, uh, getting all the compound interest that you have been saving up for many, many years. It's a gain. And the Apostle Paul is saying to live is Christ, yes, no matter what happens, but yet to die is even better. To die is gain. Death is an actual promotion of this life from a life of pain to a life of perfection. That is life. You don't normally think about that. Now, how can I find joy when I am dead? Because in Christ, you're more alive when you die physically than when you live on earth since you are an eternal being. Can you imagine this? 
think about me for a moment. Everyone is sure to die. And if you're a Christian, you're actually transferring, you know, you live by faith. Now you're actually living with God face to face. We prepare in this life. Some people say, some people buy insurance. We actually prepare for this life. But do we prepare for eternal life? Christ is the treasure that I seek and the purpose of my existence. My purpose is a person. My purpose is Christ. To live is Christ. And to die is gain. In the meantime, let's live like a sumo wrestler. How many of you are familiar with a sumo wrestler? <sighs> you know, one foot here on earth and another foot towards eternity. Let's be conscious that we are actually living our life here as a pilgrim passing through. Our life here on earth, 70, 80, maybe 90 if we have the strength. But our life in eternity is forever bliss. Why can we be joyful in life? Because for to me, to live is Christ. Everything that happens to me has a purpose. And everything that happens to me in this life, I know that ultimately there will be an eternal reward. Amen. To die is gain because my satisfaction is in Christ, which means that living is an opportunity to enjoy Christ and dying actually is a bonus, so to speak. To live is Christ. To die is gain. My main point is, real joy comes by living in Christ in the midst of all difficult and good circumstances. Okay, we'll stand up right now. I want to pray for us before we have a time of worship. I want you to just put your heart, uh, I mean, your hand on your heart right now. Just lay hands on our, on our heart. Father, thank you so much. I pray, God, that you would help us to understand our purpose and the real meaning of life. Father, help us to declare, just like the Apostle put it, for us, for to me, to live is Christ, and yet to die is gain. I know that that is a bit difficult to swallow for some because yet maybe we're not ready to die. And I'm not saying we're going to die right now. What I'm saying is there's some that we look forward to eternity because of who you are, forever being with you. I think that you'll open up our eyes to see that all these things that we have on this planet is just temporary. And that we will all fix our eyes on Jesus, the author, the perfecter of our faith. Thank you, Lord God, that you will bless your people even today. Those of us who are grieving, I pray for grace. I pray for your peace upon us. I thank you for comfort, Lord. I thank you that you will, Lord God, fill our hearts with joy no matter what circumstance we're in. We're going to put you first. Indeed, to live as Christ and die as me. You may put your hands down. For those of you watching from your home, maybe you have not given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ yet. And you're not ready about talking about this concept of death. You know what? As a Christian, there's no fear in dying. Because to die is to be forever with Christ. And for those of you, if you're not yet a Christian, and if you want to receive Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me right now. Would you just close your eyes and repeat after me these words? Just say these words with me. Lord Jesus, I confess 
that I am a sinner and I need a Savior. Lord, I'm asking that you forgive my sins right now. And I thank you for Jesus because he paid the penalty for all my sins. I believe in my heart that he is raised from the dead and I confess with my mouth that Jesus is my Lord. Thank you for accepting me as a child of God today. And I thank you, Lord God, that you will free me from the fear of dying. Let me declare, just like the Apostle Paul, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Feel free to share this message with your friends too. For more information about our church, visit our website at www.victorialabang.church.